Coming up, Rose McGowan joins Ileana in just a minute. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, it's the I Blame Dennis Hopper podcast, starring Ileana Douglas. Eavesdrop with Ileana as she interviews Hollywood's most prominent players about filmmaking, acting, and what really happens on the set of your favorite flicks and TV show. Hello, everyone. I am Ileana Douglas. Welcome to the I Blame Dennis Hopper podcast. I'm here with Tamara Bird. Hey, everybody. Lovely co-host. Hey, Ileana. As the music fades and the conversation begins. Yes. Nice to see you. Thank you. Had a little bit of time off doing the TCM Film Festival. Yeah, we did. And other television shows. Yes, that's what I want to talk about. Hit me, hit me. You were on Chop. Yes, I Recently. was. Celebrity chopped. Let's Excuse me. Let's star, celebrity. S- star chopped. power. Star power. Celebrity chopped. So it can be revealed. You, you know, they. I, I, you can't talk about it for right. the lo- longest time. Right. So they finally aired it as part of a series. Mine uh, showed on Tuesday. I uh, did not win. Um, because they gave me a gigantic uh, Fred Flintstone steak. To the vegetarian. To the vegetarian. And it's very interesting. There was, I asked someone who, another celebrity who'd been on the show before, you know, um, I said, now, come on. You, they tell you what's in the basket, though. And she's like, no, they don't. So then I got really scared. Like, what am I getting myself into? But when I, I spoke to them, I said, gosh, I'd love. They're like, what do you like to cook? And I said, oh, I love to, you know, I uh, could make turkey meatballs or, mm-hmm. you know, roasted chicken or you know things that i would be more comfortable with mm-hmm. seafood i eat a lot of fish you know mm-hmm. so you're uh, pescatarian yeah pescatarian um and uh but of course i you know they said what would you not want i said i would i said well i would not of course want a big steak and <laughs> which is probably the only I thing they wrote a, down in their notes i got a big giant Do not you give know, her a steak but i in the back of my head i was like this is you know, a competition. So uh, it, anyway, I got a big steak and uh, something called poutine, which is mm. uh, was tater tots and beef gravy. The whole thing was like <laughs> a medley of meat. And it was slightly repulsive and I had to make it and not eat it. Um but so were so were were there some successes? Yeah, they were they were very uh, the first thing I wanted to go all Mediterranean Italian and so my mom is Italian and um so I wanted to go in that route. And so the first thing, which was kind of a crab salad thing, I mm-hmm. made, you know, tapas and that that went pretty well. Mm-hmm. And the second thing also, I think I did way too much cooking. You know, it's like you finish and you're ma- and you look and you're like, oh, they just used they just made croutons. I'm right. like, I'm making <laughs> I made a casserole. So they were very impressed that I made a casserole. But um, yeah. But uh, cooking, trying to cook a steak was was challenging because I actually the funny thing is I had cooked it perfectly and then wondered it was like is that cooked I can't even remember and then I I think I threw it back you know on and then I I then it was uneven uh. after it had been perfect I doubted my own which is a good learning lesson don't doubt yourself 
I do that every single ding dong day. But I have every to, day. But it was it was pleasure to be there, and the the cause was the hole in the wall gang camp oh, nice. started by Paul Newman. Yes. Uh, kids with uh, illnesses, so they can, as he says, raise a little hell. It's a camp that's in Connecticut. Um, just a fantastic charity. So it's always a bummer because you you know you want to win for your charity, and I demand uh, I must I do want to go back. A rematch? Definitely. I want to. I, I would like to go back. Because now that I've been there, the, yes, hard, the exactly. hardest thing is Redemption. just being there and trying to cook at like, you know, 9 a.m. Uh, um, but also for me, I when I watch that show, yes. I'm so concerned about the timing of it. Because oh, it always say, seems cutting. like... <laughs> Cutting, cutting myself. Um, I'm always concerned about the timing because it seems be. like at the very last minute, because like, time pressures are really stressful to me anyway. Yeah. Was that the case? Oh, it's insane. Yeah. Trying to cook something in 20 minutes right. and plate it. Remember. Right. You're not just cooking and like you're at home and you, you cook something, and you put it on a plate. Right. You have to, you have to plate four, four dishes. Four of them. So. Yep. And make it look pretty and yeah. and do all of that. So that's, you know, you have to run and get the plates. And so it's sort of you only really get 15 minutes for cooking. And then you're, ru- and then you're rushing and prepping and yeah. re- trying to get a plate and yeah. get the right plate and trying to, you know, make it look good and, and, and do all that stuff. Any so. new appreci- appreciation or any new skills learned from it that... That uh, any life lessons? So many life lessons. As I said, I I think that I was really <laughs> what I learned is that I'm I, it it's you know I'm almost like too creative. It, yeah. it was like why was I making ambitious? Cas- I'm too ambitious yeah. to try to make a casserole. But it turned out really well. But I was so focused on the casserole. But that's all you can do is you open the basket and you just think, what am I going to do with this? Yeah. You know. And I was trying to tie everything cohesively together mm-hmm. and I really and that you know make some narrative make a film out of my oh my film. gosh you want a beginning my, and middle and end to your meal I wanted a beginning and middle and end but um it was great to be there and I must say that all the chefs were amazing and some of them followed me uh oh that's on, great on Twitter and so uh maybe I'll get an in at their restaurants there you go um we've talked about uh, you know, we've talked a lot about cooking between the two of us because yes. you and I both enjoy cooking. We should probably do like a chopped, like a personal chopped. I would love to say that. And, you know, we never said for that it is on the Food Network. Oh, thank you. Yes. It's chopped on the Food Network. Yeah. And it's still, uh, the series is still going on. Yeah. So, so what's hysterical is that even though I lost, I am in the promo. <laughs> you can hear me repeatedly say, I'm freaking out. <laughs> All right, we should bring Rose in. I would love Let's to. I'd love to. Uh, of course, Rose McGowan uh, has she she made such a splash in the Doom Generation, Jawbreaker, Scream, Grindhouse. She's also an acclaimed photographer and a director. She was also on The Essentials on TCM with Robert Osborne. Uh, welcome, everyone, Rose McGowan. It's so nice to see you. So nice to see you. And this is true. You know, we actually really, although I had seen Rose. At, you know, uh, around auditions of we, we we think we may have met, but but we sort of officially met yesterday. We sort of officially met yesterday, and it was awesome. Thank you. It was. It was fun. We're uh, we we were talking food. I was bragging about uh, Tamara and, 
and uh, you know, uh, we're gonna get you into our food because we're foodies. I've never been a foodie. I've never. I've been somebody that I could literally take a pill and just if I could take a pill maybe and just not deal with it, that would be fine too. I like. I love good food, but I don't care. I care. I mean, I care. I don't know. I don't. I have friends that think about what they're gonna eat at dinner when they're making breakfast. I just don't even think about food, and I think mostly I. Like, damn, it's interrupting my flow. That's how I, yeah, that's how I am. Um, so I'm the person who thinks about dinner at breakfast. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, I can't even, (laughs) I can't even think about breakfast when I'm supposed to think about breakfast. I'm the worst at that. But I think mine was because when I came from Italy to America, I was, I I had such culture shock with food that I, I I I actually didn't recover. I think, I think I was just from Italy to Oregon. That's like backwoods. A, that's yeah. a little culture shock. That yeah, was some major jacked up trucks, rednecks, um, you know, <laughs> gun racks in the back of their cars. To go from Rome to that was uh, was definitely a. Twist. But it's interesting. The movie you made, the short movie Dawn. What, did it, where did you shoot that? Because I was going to say it looks like Oregon. It kind of does, right? No, yeah. it's actually um, Northern California. Oh, I see. I love Northern California. It's incredible. From it's Northern beautiful. California. Oh, you are mm-hmm. Northern uh, Hitchcock's favorite, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, Big sir. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the show. You know, we always start out with this interesting uh, question because I'm always fascinated by what. Do you remember the first movie that you saw? Did it have any lasting effect on you? It definitely had a lasting effect on me, the first movie. And I don't know what the movie is still to this day. Okay. But I know the scene. I don't know. I don't know it. Cinephiles, get ready. Yes. Yeah. Someday somebody will be able to tell me what this movie is. Um, in my head, I remember it in black and white. Okay. But I don't know if that's true. Um, I hadn't seen a movie before. I'd been snuck out. We were playing kind of on the streets of Rome and Florence and things like that for, for money, singing mm-hmm. Jesus songs. And somehow I was taken into a theater by one of the adults in the group I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And there was this nurse. And all I remember is this nurse in this phone booth. And she had jet black hair, short. And I had been around all these kind of hippie women in the commune I grew up in. And so I see this woman, and she's got red lipstick, white skin, dark hair, and she goes crazy over some doctor that she's talking to on the phone, and he tells her he doesn't want to be with her anymore. So she, of course, in the phone booth, rips her shirt open, (laughs) breasts her out, pulls out her red lipstick, and draws all over her face and her breasts screaming. And I just thought, fabulous. That is what I want to be. Was this in Italian, or was it It was in Italian. Ah. Well, now I'm now I'm. Fascinated. I have literally no idea. I don't know if I conjured yeah. it up out of my imagination, but this I don't think so because it was such a. I didn't know women could even have short hair. I didn't know they could wear lipstick. I didn't know like, and it was just offered like kind of the opposite of what I you know kind of with the more hippie women around me. Right. It was just a different look, and I just really admired somebody who was clearly batshit. Yeah. Am I allowed to curse? Yeah, oh, you're, sorry. Fine. Sure. <laughs> you're fine. Well, you always had that look to me, uh, you know, like very 50s, atomic, you know. It was really, it's a great irony of my life that I got stuck in that body and uh, look. It, well, I think it's because of the white skin yeah. and the black, yeah. jet black hair. It's very film noir. I know. Sure it was that. literally like I, but my insides and outsides have just never matched that that well. Maybe uh-huh. more now, but growing, for most of my life, it was like the strange, just very two very different things, the mm-hmm. inside and the outside, and they were treated very differently. Yeah. And unfortunately, the inside was never seen because of the outside kind mm-hmm. of thing that I didn't really have much to do with. But yeah, um, it's, it's it was an interesting 
way to be raised with not much um, emphasis on looks at all, and then all of a sudden to be in a town where it's you know really about that. Were you aware that you were pretty though? I mean, you're very uh, when striking. I, when I, well, thank you. When I came to Oregon. Um, Every day, every day, like you're the ugliest thing I ever seen. Uh, <laughs> things thrown at me, uh, try to run me over with their trucks. Uh, the worst thing I got was I got hit in the head with like a Pepsi liter bottle of some guy driving by like in a Corvette, and it was hit or Camaro, sorry, and it was his spit chew. Like he his spit, oh. he would spit it in this sawed off liter bottle and doused me Carrie style. I was walking on the street, and I was like 11. I was a child, but they found me so threatening. And so I I don't know. I would look at myself and think, my eyes are symmetrical. My nose is small. I look, I'm very confused. Mm -hmm. I would just get confused mostly. And it would be adults telling me I was ugly and freaky and this. They just knew there was something different about me, and they wanted Mm. to crush it. God, that's so sad. So I, But then I got sent to Colorado where I was mm-hmm. revered as this great beauty all of a sudden overnight. And I just thought, well, that's ridiculous. Mm. And then I thought the other one was ridiculous. So it kind of, in a way, helped a lot for later for me to not place too much weight on what other people thought uh, mm-hmm. at all because it kind of averaged out into nothing. Right. I didn't really think that much of them, so therefore their thoughts didn't matter that much to me. Mm-hmm. The have you ever have you gone back to Italy though? Oh yeah, a lot. Because I, I, go a lot. I mean the Italian people. I I had this. But I'm not Italian. I wish I were. But they won't ha- give me citizenship. Oh, I see. I see. Because I don't have any Italian blood. They're very they're very uh, blood oriented. Yes, I know. I'm only half. You know, I only get to. Do clean. you have dual citizenship? No. Are you kidding? I would love to. I, would, I know. I'm like it. it's wild. They won't. I was born there. Lived there. They won't. They won't do it because I have no Italian blood. I'm like, but I'm Italian. My soul. Oh. It doesn't count. I would, lo- I would love that. Now, the other thing that was interesting was that you never had any train, which I was shocked about. You never really had any acting training. You never mm-hmm. went to acting school. I went to one acting class after mm-hmm. I did my first role in a movie. Mm-hmm. After? I thought, well, I guess <laughs> if I'm going to be an actor, I should maybe study this or something. I don't yeah. know. I went and I got so freaked out by the other actors. I, I was just like, they, they, this particular group seemed like the people that, would have put a high heel in my eye to get ahead kind of thing. And Uh I was just like, this is not, these are not, these people are not my people. Was this Doom Generation? Yeah. I mean, so Doom Generation was like created quite a splash. That created a big splash. Yeah. That was a huge, like, that was like a cannonball into the world kind of thing. Yeah. Just like bombed out. Greg Araki was, you know, a real hip happening director at the time. I mean, that was like, you wanted to be, you know, in that group. Yeah, and I had no, I was discovered standing, you know, in front of a gym kind of thing, like, by a friend of his who was a producer who knew what trouble he was having casting it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, I think if it had been a man that had said, hey, are you an actress? I would have, you know, I said no when this woman asked me, but she persisted. Mm -hmm. And I think had it been a man, maybe I wouldn't be sitting here because, you know, it's just a typical thing that men say to pretty girls in this town. You know what's interesting about that movie is that it see it was like oh it's so dark and it reflects you know what is nihilism, but that's kind <laughs> of it's sort of where we are now. Oh yeah. So in that sense, it's very it, it's, prescient. It's very prescient, and I think it's which is it's, disturbing. Which is very disturbing. Mother yeah. of all bombs. Yeah. Did you hear about that one? No. Do you want to hear about it? Uh, uh, sure. Well, today we dropped the mother of all bombs. That's the actual. Um, Mother of all bombs, M-O-A-B, is the mm-hmm. acronym, on Afghanistan. It's never been deployed in warfare before, ever, in history. 
Go USA. <sighs> yeah, I know. We're just, I'm just looking at movies. It's really weird. It's so weird right now to do all the stuff to feel like I'm just doing what I should be doing in my life or want to do while I might not be here tomorrow. So we might all blow up. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. Well, exactly. I mean, maybe. You just the, keep plugging ahead. I guess that's sort of what they thought maybe in the 50s, except that everything was a little bit more repressed, you know, that they thought everything was going to blow up. I mean, that's yeah. my favorite that's a movies lot to live under. tend to be from yeah. the 50s because okay. they're kind of neurotic. Yeah. And yes. Pent up. and I especially pe- love the drug movies from back then. Those are hilarious. Oh, which one? Well, and the, the, you know, the commies are coming movies. And the, I like the educational school movies that they had. Oh, know. yeah, yeah. They're amazing. I like, I like those, too. The, uh, so the, with the Doom, so were you surprised that it was a hit? What, do you remember your first experience, like going to Sundance? Yeah, and... it, was, it was wild. They, they said, do you want to come to Sundance? And I said, no. What's Sundance? And then I said, what's Sundance? I said, no first. And then it was like, what's Sundance? And then they told me I had to go. And I was like, I have to go. Okay. So I went, and all these lawyers were giving me their cards, and I just thought they were creepy old men, like, trying to, like, get... I didn't understand, uh, which maybe they are, but I didn't understand the business at all of Mm -hmm. it, um, or the importance of Sundance, or at the time, you know, like, Mm -hmm. the weight of it. So it was just kind of like Mr. Toad's wild ride for me, but Mm -hmm. I never thought it was going to be something I would stay doing. I just kind of... I kind of... I did actually have, I think, um, this kind of weird, like, well, if it happens, this must be what I'm meant to do for a while. And then what happens is if you kind of get well-known really, really quickly, mm-hmm. it takes away your options of things to do. Right. That's true. It took mine away. So I didn't, I was kind of stuck. I was like, oh, crap. Like, after, after I did Scream and after I did a couple other movies, mm-hmm. I realized, I was like, oh, well, once you become really well-known, then what do you do? Right. If you want to... In- I was so young, it's hard to develop. Now I love it. People are like, so what else did you want to do? I'm like, well, I was 17 when I mm-hmm. first did a movie, and then, you know, then Doom Generation after that. And, and it's, I don't know, you don't really have time to develop that so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard, you know, when you grow up acting, not having come here with that hole in your stomach of like, damn it, I'm going to make it. I have a fire in my belly. So I would, I felt like I would take the slings and arrows and not, without the love of it mm-hmm. you know and uh another movie that, that was done around this time which i really liked and was also again another big hit was jawbreaker yeah that was great um has that director kind of he's great you know he's he's doing that now on what do you mean i'm sorry i, I was i was just gonna say that's like the again the the, the precursor to mean girls and of all course. sorts of he set the templates yeah movies but that was way way ahead and it's still time. way cooler it's a great movie. I think it's cooler. Yeah, it. if you so, haven't seen Jawbreaker, you should because it's, it's cooler than all of them. Yeah, I've really de- defined as organically a cool and organic. Yes, like definitely like, and that war that classic walk down the hallway, the four girls walk, which we've seen so many times since, <laughs> you know, of course. But that was the originator. But so after that, did the success of that? Is that what you said? Well, this is some. I think I, I'm good at this, or. I actually weirdly knew I was good at it because growing up I had consistently uh, kind of swapped. I moved a lot mm-hmm. um, as well, and I would just kind of swap out names and personalities of whatever I was reading. I would become that character, mm-hmm. and I was always pretty good at 
my chameleon-like uh, abilities, and I just transferred it. So I always knew it was a trade that I was really good at. Mm-hmm. And at times, there's moments when you soar, when you're really, truly outside of your body, when you're really, truly outside of your mind, and, and you're and then they say cut and you land back in your body with this like shock and, and mm-hmm. you're vibrating. And those are pretty cool moments. But overall, like, yeah, I, I just kind of thought, well, this is I must be meant to be that nurse in that uh, in that phone booth. Well, you always uh, you had the kind of fame uh, that I always like where people call you by both names. Yeah. You're Rose McGat. Like yeah. you're Rose. They say both names. I know. <laughs> they like, yeah, it's they all, Rose always McGowan. said both names for I know, me. It's but really funny. But that's, but that means you can always get a cameo on like the Gary Shandling show. You always have to have a be a person like you're Rose McGowan. Yeah. Um, you're Ileana Douglas. You have the same thing. I know. But do people say your name, both names though? Uh, sometimes. Yeah, I think they do. I think they do. I think they And a lot say, of times people, even if they don't necessarily recognize my, like they know my name. They know my name, and they know... A lot of times people recognize me by my voice without even seeing my face. Oh, interesting. Oh. Like, I've had flight attendants. I'll be, you know, tying my shoe, and I'll say something. And I thought that was you, your yes. voice, you know. The, uh, and so you said, so you went to get a little bit of training. Um, one class. With, oh, okay, just one class. Not, not, that can be a dangerous thing, because if you're a natural. I went to one class, and I realized I did not have the patience to... I just didn't... I was like, look, I'm... I'm just going to either work a lot or not do this at all. Mm-hmm. And I'll figure it out on the fly. So I did. So after after Jawbreaker and then and you also got nominated for a Spirit Award and then and then again that puts you in another kind of echelon. So are things being offered to you? Like I would say that that's probably the in a sense the scariest time because you're you know, you're these you know, you're being that, thrust into Kind of yeah. I didn't really the thing, you know, I had an agent once. It was like, you're the least excited person I've ever told when they get a job. I'm like, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I found it largely traumatizing, most of it, to be honest with you, and really embarrassing. I was never able to, like, walk down the street holding a script. Like, that was just, like, I was mortified if someone knew I was an actress or saw me, like, yeah. with any acting paraphernalia for some reason. I know. See, it always I, bothered me. I find it so funny because that—that's where we differ. Because I really was, you know, into it. Yeah, yeah. I, but I didn't come here for that. I didn't. I wasn't here for that. I right. just was here, and I just literally was like, happened to be really good at something and right. got better at it, I guess, or whatever, and um, could do things naturally. Like I can cry for twenty hours straight if I need to. I can mm-hmm. just disappear from my body. I just fly away, mm-hmm. and um. It got to a point, though, with my life where I was just like, I don't want to fly away anymore. Right. And is that, but that's not after, but in the beginning, I mean, and that's something I was asking you, like, it was, it was what like, were the fun Right, aspects? what were the fun aspects of it? Um, I loved you, photo shoots. Yeah. I loved acting in photo shoots. I felt like that was like a really, I was working with like a lot of major, major photographers and major artists mm-hmm. that I loved. Um, I had... I like being an itinerant gypsy very much. That service, mm-hmm. that, that's just... You get to see a lot that's of... That's my life. I mean, that's been my life my whole life, and mm-hmm. it just continued that part of my life, you know? And yeah. And that, for me, the travel and living by night, because mm-hmm. a lot of my things were filmed at night, for whatever mm-hmm. reason. <laughs> um, and I love, I love the night. I work at night. Um, mm-hmm. That's when I'm most on fire, and I loved movies that... I love it when you're just you're on this other planet and and you don't 
like the world could have maybe blown up during the day and you wouldn't be entirely aware of it. Completely. You're just going to set. Yeah. So much. <laughs> and, and in the most ridiculous situations, doing the most ridiculous things oftentimes with the most ridiculous humans, and you just laugh. You get outside of yourself. You're like, this is so bizarrely awesome and weird. Mm-hmm. What? I'm in a swamp with like, like a bullet hole ripping out of my head with like brain matter on the side and I'm trying to climb up the bank. I mean, what am I doing <laughs> with my life? And there would be times later where I would be surrounded by leprechauns and I would be like, what? Like, what's going on? Yeah. (laughs) Whoa. My life, you look around, and it is. It's a circus. It is the circus. We are the traveling circus. Yeah. And that's the best. That, to me, the the thing that I loved was the lifestyle of it. Mm -hmm. Not the the assumed uh, fancy part of the lifestyle, because I never really um, dug that that deep into that stuff. A lot Mm -hmm. of people really work a lot of angles to, for like, free clothes, trips, this, that. I was like, if I... I'll just do yeah, that. I, I was like, no, I, I never wanted to trade. It felt creepy. Mm-hmm. But what I loved about it was just the impermanence. Mm-hmm. The fact that I, I knew there was an out. And I loved I loved disappearing and reappearing. Mm-hmm. And I love leaving. That's my lifelong. I love leaving places. I love leaving nice. anywhere. You mean when the movie is over? When the movie's over. When see, the time, when everything. To just, me, that's the worst part. That's the part that I'm like shaky that last day. Yeah, I'm like I, uh, I'm like bye. No, it's great. Catch you on the flip side. And uh, I, I. Uh, well, that's great. I mean that that. that you but know. I think I've done that so much in my life, and that's how I grew up with so many. I had so many brothers and sisters, and we were yeah. always like, I would go to Colorado, and I'd come home from school, and there'd be a plane ticket on the table, like sending you home to another state that night, kind mm-hmm. of thing. So it was always different lives for me. Did you ever have, um, uh, you know, I became a better actor when I started working with Gus Van Zant because right. that's when I learned about lenses. And, yeah. And that, oh, because before that, I was like, where do I stand? Right. What do I do? But he was the one who really, he taught me a lot. He's like, you know, if you do right. this and this right. lens. and was I was there- really lucky. I had that on Doom Generation. Um, mm-hmm. There was a lovely cinematographer who was so wonderful. And I think the movie was such a trial for him. I don't think he's ever shot another movie. Mm-hmm. I think it was just really hard. He came from the commercial music video world and he was incredible. Jim Feely. I remember his name. And he taught me about framing. You know, he would, you know, even I was so much, they would say stand on your mark. And I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, I had no idea about anything. But right. I'm a really quick learner. And so framing. So if you, your head goes too far to the left, you're not on camera anymore. You know, like kind of things like that. Um, yeah. A lot of, and I was always more interested actually in the technical aspects. Um, mm-hmm. Later on in my career, like on days I didn't work with, as an actress, I would work with every other department. Mm-hmm. And I learned that I was always more interested in the totality of filmmaking, the kind of my role in it. And, and being an actor, is, it's a very strange thing because you're not with the producer, the directors, and the, the powers that be. You're not with the crew. You're just kind of at your own weird lunch table, mm-hmm. you know. And that was always um, odd for me because I didn't have a lot of times the same kind of emotional makeup as a lot of the other actors around mm-hmm. me had. Right. I understand that. That makes sense. Like, so I didn't really relate to... I was pretty much alone the whole time in, in everything I did. Yes. there's. I, I, I relate to that when you say... Because on a movie set where everybody eats and they're... Yeah, it's always like, where do I eat? <laughs> there's that horrible <laughs> there's that hor- childhood. Every, there's that childhood but for, for your entire career. Where do I eat? Oh, who do I sit with? Okay, that's the camera department. That's the makeup department sitting yeah. over there. That's the, that's the... I'll sit with the makeup and hair usually because that's... But 
you know, whatever. Yeah. They're the fun ones. Trying to find. I would I would always irritate. I just would sit in there. I'd find someone like um I would always tell the story like where uh, I'd find somebody like Buck Henry. Oh wow. And the first day, you know, they'd be thrilled. And Siliana, but by the third day, it's like, oh God, it's Siliana. <laughs> She's gonna be God. asking me. Did you ever meet people like that? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, of course I have to ask you about I got the- to work with Brian De Palma. Oh my god. Oh, for Black Dahlia. Yeah. And I was originally I was that was supposed to be the role of Black Dahlia, but the movie fell apart, as many mm. movies do. It's mm-hmm. amazing when anything ever gets made or out, you know, as we know. But the Black Dahlia was, I just, we got on, like, White on Rice, and I just sat with uh, De Palma, and he had the role written for me, which was really nice, um, after the movie came back together, and then my schedule wouldn't allow me to do a bigger part in it. So he did. I did a four-day cameo on it, and we just hung out and talked about classic film, lenses. Vilma Zygmunt shot it. Mm-hmm. who's one of the all-time great DPs, an incredible, incredible cinematographer. And Dante Ferretti did the production design, who's like one of my all-time yeah. favorites. And and so it was just stellar. I got to be around a lot of great artists mm-hmm. a lot of the time, and that was exciting. Um, when I took a detour into TV, that was not there. Um, so that was a bummer. But it was in film world, what I loved about film what I love about film is that even if it doesn't come together, if it doesn't all like kind of work, mm-hmm. everyone seems to be really, especially on indies, trying their damnedest. Right. Everybody on that crew. Mm-hmm. Well, you also have the experience, I think, of the set, and that's one experience. Yeah. And then the movie and how it do you does. Have, do you have the, if if you have a bad experience on set, can you watch the film afterwards? There's a lot of films I've been in that I've never seen just because of my set experience. I'm like, I'm not going to bother, like, traumatizing myself again with that you know it's funny it's very interesting I've said this before when I'm in the movie I want to see the day I'm obsessed with it I want to see everything when it's on TV or later I don't want to see it yeah I don't know why it's like it's I just because that chat you close the door on it I think in a way you're like it's like I close the door on it yeah like I don't that's too that. much of the things that were also happening around it. I get, or I'll get sad, or oh, what happened to that person? I don't see him anymore, or you know, uh, or it it, 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 I find it to be a challenge. But when I'm doing it, oh my god, you're way in it. Yeah. I weirdly do. I love looking at myself. Like that's that's very interesting. <laughs> I uh, I hear my sister's director, voice. I hear my sister's voices. So uh-huh. what come out of my mouth because we sound very similar. Yeah. So I've always just seen my lips flapping and I hear my sister Ava or Daisy's voice coming out of me. So it's this very disembodied experience that I can't yeah. quite. It's also strange. It's very unusual. It's not normal. Yeah. To. It's weird. To well, like, you've got perfect features, so I wouldn't mind. You know, like I'll look at myself and and movies I produced that I was in, and then I just go, okay, we gotta, can we? You know, well, if you don't like something physically or other actors, I don't, you know, you're, you're looking at it dual, trying to make everybody look good or you're trying to even out performances. Mm-hmm. So in that mm-hmm. sense, uh, yeah, I was obsessed and they don't have that anymore. In the old days, you know, you get dailies, you get like v- VHS tapes, dailies which some dailies. of them I still have. So did you ever Amazing. watch, did you ever watch dailies? No, you know, even when I did this TV show, the first year I didn't watch it even. Mm-hmm. And I, and I saw it fine. I saw it somewhere. I saw a little bit of it and I thought, oh my God. I've been letting myself be shot like that this whole time. Oh, I probably should have watched that earlier. <laughs> no, I just, I like, I feel like for me, I was always like, if I did it, I did it. Yeah. And, and I'm done. I'm like actually done. I don't. Yeah. And a lot of people, it's funny, fans get kind of offended if you're not 
they get kind of mad at you or me anyway when they're like what you don't watch your own show and I'm like that's very strange why mm. would I do you go like would you go watch the retaping of you at work all day mm-hmm. like would you go watch that and also because for me I think a lot of the time the problem was I think I was a true director um, more even than an actor and mm-hmm. so I would get to the movie set and expect I would just, in my head, it was a totally different situation. Right. I was in a totally different movie in my head most of the time. And I would get there and think, yeah. what? Well, this is the house I'm supposed to be in, but this is all wrong for this character. Mm. What? This is the actor you're putting against me, but you just made my perform. This what? You just sunk this film. And now I'm stuck here for two months, three months filming this. Mm-hmm. Damn it. So that for me became just kind of crushing over time and something that I was not interested in. If I saw like, kind of big mistakes being made a Mm -hmm. lot of the time you know ones that were done out of laziness arrogance various other things um yeah I I find that kind of unforgivable and I have a heart I don't forgive actually with that stuff and I don't forgive cruelty on set so I don't support them endorse them or uh do press for them the uh the Fans, it's interesting. Some of the movies that you've been involved with, yeah, I, they, they have deep. I can't imagine, like deep. It's yeah. amazing. It's amazing. This show, deep. especially, is like crazy, like crazy. Like people are really obsessed. Like <laughs> I felt bad for the woman whose house we used as a double for our San Francisco house because uh-huh. there would be German tourists in her closet, you know, just hanging out in there after filming. They would like get in somehow during dates that we'd film there, and they would just be surprising her after, you know, after dark yeah. in her room. Like, oh so my sorry. Gosh. People would build replicas of the house. People are very deep, and they get really. Actually, Tarantino was a huge fan of Charmed, the mm-hmm. show I was on, and which was very funny to me because I didn't watch it, so I didn't really know yeah. what. He's like, I love dense mythology, man, and I'm like, dense is the word because I never understood what was going on, but other people did, so that's the good news. I didn't. I could not. Under, I was like, what's happening? I think we love women as witches. I think people love women as witches. I'm yeah, just, like, okay, sure, let's I go. I don't know why. It's like an interesting, you know, women as hookers it, with a heart of gold. Yeah, well, And women as witches, they accept them. Like, you can do something as a witch, and we love it, and it's powerful. And Somebody the other night was telling me all about breaking... It was, it was RuPaul, actually, and he's amazing, but he was mm-hmm. telling me... I thought it was a very strange... He was telling me all about Samantha on Bewitched and how... She was really the smartest one in the room. She's immortal. She's going to be there forever. And Mm. so it's okay to let her husband think all of her ideas, her ideas are his and get all the credit. And I'm like, (laughs) I think it was like somehow relating to how that's a way to work in Hollywood or something. Yeah. And I didn't, I was like, yeah, I've taken the opposite tack on that one, I think. Um, Well, you could put a spin on it. And I'm thinking now of like, you know, Kim Novak, where she's a witch. Bell, Book, and Candle. Exactly. Love. It's a fun movie. But where women do all that stuff without being witches, and then they'd be manipulative and horrible. But if they're a witch. But if you're a witch, it's like, it's okay. They've got a you know maybe a, tw- uh, a twinkle in and people eyes. are still scared of witchcraft it's really funny england was the last country to put us on the air like england really really because, because of the be. witchcraft yeah i'm like it's g-rated i'm pretty sure so <laughs> i think you're okay i think you're all right the wiccan the wiccan mentality and i got asked a lot about like do you believe in witchcraft and so my well, standard of course. I, of course and i was like i i hadn't really had time to think about it because i was pretty sure that what i was doing was not witchcraft so at work, um, yeah, it was a different kind of witchery. 
different kind of sorcery. What but I the- loved having magical powers. That would be the coolest thing in the world. I had the coolest power, for sure. Yes, and I thought that one of the things you did with the show, which is there's a certain responsibility when you're coming in and replacing someone to bring a certain energy yep. to the show. That's what I did. And, and, and it kind of stuck me and trapped me in a way I thought about it and I thought about audience psychology and I thought about and they you know the producer said don't worry if the show dies after this season most shows never you know recover after significant cast change and I thought about it and I thought like okay what people you have to literally work overdrive to make people fall in love with you so I gained like 10 pounds on purpose to make my face look really soft and cherubic and Mm -hmm. and and to look more like sweet don't you love me don't you just love me and made that the kind of cornerstone of the character actually yeah. like lovable yeah which uh, may or may not be me in real life probably right. not that was probably <laughs> the farthest character that I've ever played from myself that's so interesting so then now that would be like the sweet side of me if I'd never been fucked with <laughs> <laughs> Well, it looked like you were you're having fun. I know that's and, good acting. And so then, does that become a problem because because then I doubled start... the ratings and then I and then it went on and on and on. But yeah, yeah. So now, but you have a responsibility also because you're looking at 150 love... members of the crew. Yeah, like yes. thinking, oh my god, all of these people are going to be out of a job unless I like do this. Yeah, and it it was it was the. It was a lot of weight and pressure. And also, there had been a lot of drama on that set before I came in. So mm-hmm. I had to behave like buttoned up Mary all the time, um, yeah. lest there be, because, you know, women working together, where's the scandal? Right. And so I just, just refused to play. I was just like, I'm going to come here and do my work for 17 hours a day and go home and uh, die and come back and do it tomorrow. It seems like that'd be a rich idea, you know, if you're directing now and writing, yeah. to write a movie about that kind of a character, you know. I thought it would actually be kind of amazing to write a movie. Kind of Gary Shandling esque. Yeah, that would actually. You know, like, Larry Sandling. Uh, oh, Gary Shandling. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Oh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Well, you know, it's funny. Like, what I want to actually do is like she kind plays of, someone on a zoo witch. And yeah, exactly. No, that's what I'm actually developing a show um, that's that kind of a show really within cool. a show that's, yeah. that's kind of significant. I'm like, and I've used Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'm like, I know I don't look like Larry David or maybe talk like Larry <laughs> David, but there's there are some similarities, believe it or not, well, between just me the, and Larry David. Just the fan. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. As you were talking, was like, I mean, like you said, the obsessive fans that yeah. go to the house, yeah. and there yeah. seems yeah. like there'd be a, a great. Oh, there's so much vein. There's a there's a there's a lot, and it's amazing. Comedy. But it's so sweet too. Like there's this this boy who's run a fan site of mine, this young man, and mm-hmm. he is from Paris and he met another super fan of Charmed and Mm -hmm. me and now they're living in LA and married um and like it's wild I mean it literally brings people together I was gonna say having longevity in your career as an actor photographer and now you're writing a book is it is it the fan because sometimes for me when I'm down just knowing that the fans have been like so supportive of a movie or something like that it, and when you were just talking now about about the fans and yeah they're so sweet I uh, don't uh, really think that way I've never thought about that actually I have never thought about that um, in terms of I it, think that in, I mean when I think of you aside from I always felt like you, I honestly felt like I would I wish I could have done a lot better for them that's what I felt like I wish I could have done better for them with even within the projects. Really? Not me personally necessarily, yeah. but maybe the project at times or sometimes me personally. Um, I always wish I could have been more probably, I think. I feel like you made such a cultural 
um, that you did make a mark yeah. in cinema, culturally. I definitely it just, have. It's weird. In terms I didn't of think, images. I, I haven't really thought about it until kind of right now, actually, to tell you the truth. Yeah. <laughs> But, but, but yeah, no, there's there's things that I have done, like when I wore the crazy prank dress, you know, when I wore that, like there's things that I've done that have definitely changed cultural landscape and changed yeah. how other people dress, how other people act, yeah. how other people view movies, how other people make their movies. I've yeah. done that, you know, and, and that, wow, that's interesting. I never really thought about it, but interesting. Yeah. And again, like long before, uh, I, I you know, and not with anybody's help in this town, trust. Yeah. So, uh. You know that that to me is always like the the history of a career is like the whole history. It is the whole history, and it's, it's not done yet. And that the thing is, acting is. I know you're so young. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not acting anymore. I just I just turned on a role, uh, a couple roles, and it's weird to do that as an actor. You're like, oh, you're you're like, oh, this is a really good role, and or right. and or this person like had a movie at Cannes, this director, and this, yeah. this it, your pro it hits all the buttons of like I should do this for security reasons, and then I just think. I don't I really only want to tell my own stories now. I don't want to be right. in them. Right. I, like if I'm honestly honestly never on screen again, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I'm totally fine. Well, that's what you said this phrase about being unfamous and I'm wondering like can you unring that? Yeah, I bell? did. I did largely. Mm-hmm. I live a very different life than um and did back then, like at the height of the fame, kind of the height of TV fame, which is a whole different ballgame. I mean, mm-hmm. as you know, when you're on Six Feet Under, it just it changes the landscape. And when you're on a network show, it's really like intense. Yeah. And it's world, it's global. And there's no escape. And it's forever. It's forever in a lot of ways, yeah. Um, so what I did uh, immediately upon, um, well, um, almost all of my roles, I drastically changed what I look like for each part. Mm-hmm. Um, through hair, through weight, I would put like, nobody ever asked me this because... You know, I'm a, I'm a woman and a girl, and they wouldn't assume that a girl would do anything that was, um, I guess, uh, method. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a method actor in terms of staying in the character because I can swing in and out, but I was in terms of disappearing mm-hmm. into another person with uh, changing the cadence, you know, that I spoke in, my walk, every part of it. And I think they don't really think of women doing that as much, mm-hmm. uh, unless you're considered a serious actress in serious films. But I approached my work very seriously, and I definitely got unfamous on purpose. Mm-hmm. I I I lost more weight, and I which changes my face shape a lot. Changed hair color, obviously, since shaving it and being sh- short hair. It's very different. There was a period where. I just got really lost. I got like they assign people to come over and do your makeup and hair and then you have to go to the event and you look in the mirror right before you leave and you think you look like a freak but there's nothing to be done about it now and and I was finally just like I'm done. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to be this and and it's a bubble and how they tell you you're supposed to look is not true. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. It's great. We talked about this yesterday because I think that some of it is that it it wasn't, you know, when I was starting out in the 90s, it really wasn't that way, but it was like around 2000. It 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 got, it got ugly. It got ugly. It, it it, fame got really ugly. It got really not fun. It was yeah. like when I came out of doing Charmed, I the world had changed. It was the height of the Lindsay Lohan, Nicole Richie um, media era. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was it, it, and like the Perez Hilton, those horrible mean blogs and it was just, it was like Lord of the Flies out there. And I couldn't go, like the internet, it's so exploded. Like if I went to the drugstore, my mom would be like, oh, you were just at the drugstore? <laughs> and I said, excuse me? She's like, yeah, someone wrote about it online and said that you have, you know, you're, da-da-da-da. I'm like, but they can say, you know, anything at that point. It's wild. And 
So it really like made me like live by night. Yeah. And really uh, live primarily not in America. Um, mm-hmm. So I spent like the last eight years really deconstructing fame and like deepening my voice, um, altering things so I could just shake it off. And, mm-hmm. and largely it's worked. Yeah, that's but that's too bad. I mean, for me, that's too bad. Really? I know. Uh, it was a fame for me was was honestly miserable. It was not fun. Well, no, just because it, it, if it hard. cuts into your creative ability to live make a movie you know but they always say daniel day lewis would go make shoes you yeah know? i think i like the idea of like and there are people that do it that way and i had just because of kind of how it had been marketed mm-hmm. um there was not really any room for me to grow or escape i mean i quit really in my own head when mm-hmm. i was on the cover of rolling stone and i saw the picture and i was like oh um no. so now i, I we don't have too anyway, much sorry. time to, no 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 i i just cuz i wanted to get into but um, it was a lot more fun it was a lot more fun before uh before right. before that kind of internet stuff took off well that was my joke it was I, a lot more fun easy to assemble i uh, that was my joke of it was fun to be famous when no one was famous but now everyone's famous and i'm obsolete like, yeah that's a yeah that's like and I, now it's very like weird i went famous. i went i went i went to like uh, <laughs> art basel this year and i was looking around i was like okay people are taking photos of all these people around me i don't know who they are they're right. not but they're not reality show people and i was like oh my god they're all instagram famous people it's very weird and i'm like but what is that fame what does it mean what does that mean like it's very strange it's meta it's deep and it's surface all at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't get it. Like I'm into. I don't entirely. I, I'm, I get like I get traditional fame. I think earn it. Yeah, that's I think what earn I'm it. Saying. Be like, good at something. Hone your craft. Be very good, and 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 make a mark. You know, because that's what we did. Yeah. And I think there's a real difference in making a mark for what your spirit is and what you do versus having taking a lot of selfies. Yes. Um, so I'm, I want to get to your directing career, but oh, then thanks. I also want to talk very briefly about the stint, uh, of course, on uh, 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 TCM, uh, yeah. w- working with uh, the late Robert Osborne, yeah. and y- you guys were great. You had great yeah. chemistry. And what were some of your favorite movies that you sort of did with The Essentials? Yeah, the favorites, probably. Well, probably like my favorite, because um, I got to be guest programmer first, and yeah. then uh, and then got tapped to co-host with Robert and it was probably Night of the Hunter for me is always oh my god Night of the Hunter for me wins almost on every single level yeah all the time and uh, Night of the Hunter it's my favorite like that I think um, I did uh, uh, one of my favorites actually we did was Parent Trap which I think mm-hmm. is a wildly underrated film. Oh, okay. I think if people look at it for the art of it, and Haley Mills. Yeah, if you yeah. look at it, it's it's a flawless picture. Mm-hmm. It's actually flawless. Uh, every performance is so on point, and she did an insane job. But the the technology that they used, uh, which was very simple, mm-hmm. and the color palette, the set design, each like each detail, the writing. There's a great little film noir line actually when the, the girls are tricking the. Uh, the stepmom to be and she's they're like what is it Vicky we're just trying to help you she's like sure you'll help me right over at Cliff you'll help me so it's even got this great the greatest film noir line of all time is in the parent trap sure you'll help me right over at Cliff you'll help me <laughs> did I uh, did you have any uh, like um, I don't know like I'm a big Kim Novak fan did you Kim have any yeah like Barbara Stanwyck for me. Barbara Stanwyck. Barbara Stanwyck. Barbara Stanwyck for me in, in, in the pre-code films, post-code, all the way up to yeah. the end. Like even in Big Valley, I would watch that like like on TV land. She could do anything. Yeah, she, she could. She was a beast of a performer. She, she was, was a beast. I love, love the Lady Eve is probably like 
my favorite Barbara Stanwyck film. Like, mm-hmm. I think in that one, because she wasn't classically beautiful, but yeah. could make you believe she was this beauty through her acting. It was like she was, she was a very interesting character. Um, I was always a Joan Crawford fan, and I, people used to make fun of me. And, like, even when I was in acting school, my teacher would be like, stop being Joan Crawford. And I was like, <laughs> I, I, like what? She but what's could, wrong with that? But now because yeah. of Feud, I think people are re-examining her work as an actor. And I see, I kind of love her because yeah. again, she's got this dual. She had a very, yeah, definitely She's duality. so fake that sometimes I just love, that's what I'm into. Like her and the women, I think is, is it might be the, yeah. That seems like the closest to, to, maybe to what her. she's actually. Yeah. Like. Possibly. You know? Yeah. But it seemed like that hard. That movie stresses me out, actually. The that women? movie's a horror show. Like, it's just the women stresses me out. Like, I know it's a really not fun movie for me to watch, although it's a great movie. Yes. I've, I've, and All About Eve stresses me out. I've certainly, uh, well, you've had, I've, I've had a couple experiences. I've joked in my book about this movie I did called Bella Mafia that was all women and we were fighting and, you know. In real life. Oh, it was, or in the movie, we, I, I called it the roulette wheel of insanity, and I said I only stayed uh, friends with Jennifer Tilly so she could confirm that everything happened. Yeah, I have <laughs> situations like that in my life that are like, and pushed, it's insanity. I was once pushed out of a shot by a woman because she wanted to hug the act. They were, we were all vying to be like you wanted to be next to Vanessa Redgrave because you'd be in the shot, you know. Oh so God, like, amazing. I at one point I got literally elbowed out of the out of the way. So you were doing like roller derby acting. Yeah, and we were fighting about dresses. I mean, it was out of control. It was, it was every, but it was on the other part of me, the funny comedian part of me. It was everything I wanted. It You're to like, do. oh, this is like, amazing. This is great. Great the, stories. We, well, we, I always, yeah. Don't you go through so much in your life where you're like, you're just like, wow, this really sucks, but it's a great story. It'll all be. I'm, it'll all be a great story. <laughs> okay, and then now um, uh, I want to talk about your because yeah, I saw your movie Dawn, short movie, and going into uh, directing yeah. and. And so this is like the next uh, chapter. It for is, you. yeah. I, I wrote and sold a pilot that I'm supposed to direct to Amazon um, if I choose to do it there. Mm-hmm. And I have another two uh, features coming up to direct. Fantastic. And I've been um, working really hard on that for like the last three years, really, mm-hmm. this big multimedia project. And a part of that project is the film and, and television thing. Um, and for me, directing is like, it just was a, I, it actually took two friends of mine to say it's time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't me that came up with it. It just actually didn't occur to me. And I think that's partially because I just didn't see it around me. Um, and also, I think I've just been so burnt out on the industry mm-hmm. and its vicissitudes and, and hardships that I was over it. But then I, what I realized when I would go to sets, every time I would go to Paramount and film, I would shut my eyes when I would get to the stage. And I would just listen to the sounds of the crew and and the sounds of the actors and the sounds of the machinery being moved around and everything and I just have such mad love and respect for that and mm-hmm. for me what I realized was that I love the totality of storytelling I love the totality of film and I've studied film you know unofficially whatever makes mm-hmm. you official as a film student I'm not sure but uh, historian a lot of it and I've, I've I take a lot from my directing from other mediums too. Like for Dawn, my movie that I directed, I took like the way I edited. I took that, the pacing from how Hemingway self-edited his novels. Mm -hmm. And I took the color palette from actually The Parent Trap. And I (laughs) I took, uh, I took the loneliness of a Hopper painting. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of things like that. And and I think there's so, what's so great, uh, my father was a, a fine artist and he was incredible and I and I, I feel like I get to paint now I get mm-hmm. to paint do and you think is there a, 
do you think, I mean, you're just starting out, but do you think there's like a going to be a through line to what your movies want to say? Oh, absolutely. Everything, Dawn is about what we do to girls and, and women in the society, you mm-hmm. know, wrapped up in this beautiful bow, but, um, and it, it stresses people out really badly. And it was an honor. It was nominated for Grand Jury Prize at Sundance and qualified for the Oscar, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but they shut all women out that year at the Oscars. <laughs> 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 Typical. But um, being at Sundance as a director is great. It's a very different experience than being there as an actress. Yeah. I can tell you that. Uh, as when I felt like, for me, the way I was marketed as an actress was always like, when I worked at a movie theater when I was 14, they would stick me outside to like lure men into the theater. I realized later. And I was like, mm-hmm. it felt kind of no different when I was an actress. Like, yeah. come into the theater, spend your filthy lucre. Yeah. You know, well, like, it's interesting. Give us your dollars. When you're, a direct, no, when you're an actress, no, they go, what's it like to kiss so-and-so? Yeah. And when you're a director, they ask you, like, real interesting questions. Ish. Uh, better, they're getting better at it now with me. Um, the, for the Honestly, most of the questions at that Sundance were, like, uh, from the media were, like, so what did you learn from the men you worked with? That was the first question every single uh-huh. time. And I said, what not to do? <laughs> So I learned what not to do. Um, but I'm yeah. pretty sure they're going to ask all those men what they learned from the women they worked with. Right. I know. They never exactly. do. They never do. No, and exactly. you are writing a book. Yeah. Which, Ugh, it's a beast, as you know. Oh as God, I know. It. It's a beast. It's a beast. But it's it's the thrilled. hardest thing I've ever done. And I've done a lot of hard things. Is it a business. memoir? It's a memoir thought piece, think piece. Um, it kind of goes between, it uses a lot of stories from my life to elucidate different points and, and kind of philosophies and, and drawing parallels between um, this group that I grew up in and, and, and kind of the cult of Hollywood and how it permeates the world mm-hmm. and what it does. Well, I can't wait to read it. Rose wow. McGowan, thanks so much for being here. Please Thank come you, back Leona. anytime. I sure will. Uh, you can find Rose on Twitter yes. at Rose McGowan and on Instagram at Rose McGowan, and her website is rose-mcgowan. No, that's not com. even my website. That's, that's a, not you? That's a fan site. <gasps> I, I have well, to, that's a fan site. Don't yeah, go there. Don't go there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't go there, so, I mean, if you want to go there, I don't even know find what it is. Find me through Twitter. Uh, find me through Twitter, Twitter and Instagram. Find me through Twitter, Facebook, yeah. and Instagram under... R-O-S-E-M-C-G-O-W-A-N-A-N. Hey, I recognize that voice. Indeed. I recognize that Uh, voice. You can buy Ileana's book, (laughs) I Blame Dennis Hopper, now out in paperback, um, in bookstores and at Amazon. It's a great read. You should buy it. Also, our website is ilianaspodcast.com. That's right. And like I like to say, everyone's life is a movie with a beginning, a middle, and an end. And sadly, this is the end of our, just our interview today. (laughs) Sadly, this is the end. Thank you, Ileana. Thanks, My everyone. Friend, the end. <laughs> Thank you. Watch See Parent you next Trap. time. Bye. Bye. For producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.